Today on our Cigar Masters series, we feature Ed Lehman, Senior Brand Manager of General Cigar, overseeing their Central American brands including Punch, Hoya de Monterey, and CAO. The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Davidoff of Geneva. Introducing the new Avo Caribe. Experience the journey of flavor comprised of synchronized tobaccos from the Caribbean with a touch from Central America. Head to the land where palms sway back and forth to the breeze of the sea with Avo Caribe. And by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Trenta, commemorating 30 years of cigar excellence. The Gurkha Trenta is everything you'd expect from a Gurkha. Exquisite construction, exquisite flavor, exquisite pleasure. GurkhaCigars.com This is the Cigar Dave Podcast with The General. Long Ash greetings and salutations, a Long Ash snappy salute, semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. It is your global five-star general, Alpha Male-in-Chief, front and center from Command Center Alpha, Humidor 1A. We have moved to a classified location somewhere on the North American continent. Hard to believe we are at the end of August, September this week. And that's kind of the Really, to me, whenever I think of summer ending, it's always that August 31st. When you get into September, it's over. Hard to believe. The only good thing is we are now into football season, and that is a great thing. And it is my pleasure to welcome longtime friend to the Cigar Dave Show, Ed Lehman, the senior brand manager for General Cigar, overseeing their Central American brands, including Hoya de Monterey, Punch CAO. Ed, great to have you with us. Thank you, Dave. It's great to be back, sir. Now, first up, how is your father? I know he's a big fan of the Cigar Dave show. How is your dad doing? My dad is doing great. You know, Jan Lehman is, uh, you know, setting his feet up in South Carolina in Greenville. So uh, just sort of living the life the way he should. Um, so thank you for asking, Dave. Well, I'm sure that you sent him ample supplies of fantastic cigars. Of course. All right. So before we even get into on our Cigar Master series, before we even talk about all the great new cigars coming from General, uh, including the Punch, the Hoya, CAO brands, I like to really explore the background of the Cigar Master that we're speaking with. So first up, Ed, uh, tell us about yourself. I get the feeling you're definitely a South Carolinian native. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say native. You know, I've, uh, you know, I moved to South Carolina when I was 10 from Houston, Texas. And, oh, from uh, Texas. Okay. You know, so spent mo most of my adolescence in South Carolina and moved up to North Carolina, then moved up to Virginia. I can't seem to get out of this mid-Atlantic, you know, southern region. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's who I am. I moved uh, to Virginia in 2002 uh, to do a master's program in advertising and creative uh, and I've, I've, I've never left, Dave, for whatever reason, you know, so the kids keep me here and uh, it's it's nice. You know, it's uh, close to the mountains, close to the beach, so can't complain too much. Good part of the country. The only part better between the months of probably November and uh, March, April is certainly Florida and the Cigar City. And, you know, you've got an open invitation anytime you want to come and visit. Indeed. Thank you. I'll, I'll take you up on that. Just bring the great cigars. <laughs> I know where to find them. <laughs> All right, so tell us about your background. So where did you uh, where did you attend school, uh, and and yeah. tell us about your career progression to uh, get to General Cigar. So this is a story that I, I that I'd like to tell, you know, because uh, for me it's it's quite fascinating. But 
You know, I, I attended Clemson University uh, in South Carolina, and I always wanted to do uh, marketing and advertising, right? So ever since, you know, I was on a path, you know, that's what I wanted to study. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, so I graduated from Clemson. Uh, I moved up to Virginia to do uh, a more specific graduate program in advertising. Uh, I, I was uh, in a track called account planning. And in the agency world, the account planning sort of track has sort of shifted and evolved a little bit. But, you know, essentially is uh, the account planner is, is the person that embeds him or herself into the community of consumers ultimately to sort of you know capture the essence of that consumer that we want to target and bring those essence back to the creative team and ultimately use those insights to create good advertising and messaging and so you know the the ironic thing is that you know when i graduated in in 2004 from that program the the revelation that i had was that i really didn't like advertising anymore so you know go figure i spent all this money on this this education for advertising and and uh it just wasn't the direction that i wanted to pursue anymore however what i did want to pursue is is creative from the client side right so you know be instead of an advertising agency i wanted to you know explore the the world of your know, brand management you know with within a client so, but as you can imagine, as a 24-year-old kid, you know, I, well, at this, yeah, 24. At 24, uh, there weren't a lot of big clients that were given 24-year-old, uh, uh, you know, graduates the opportunity to sort of come on board, right? So it became, you know, pretty tricky to, to, you know, to open those doors for myself. What happened was, in between, you know, my first and second year, I did an internship at a promotional agency in Richmond and I became friends with a fellow named Brad Hajart and uh, Brad and I became friends and he ended up moving up to New York City uh, with another classmate of mine named Paul Randon and he said hey Ed uh, me and Paul are gonna move up to New York City we're gonna be the in-house creative team for General Cigar I said huh that's kind of interesting uh, what do they do? You know, and he sort of told me what they did. Uh, I became quite fascinated with this. Uh, we kept in touch, and at some point in time, we talked and said, "Ed, you're not going to believe this, but they're moving back down to Richmond. They got bought by Swedish Match, and they're going to move out of Park Avenue and move back down to Richmond." I said, "Okay." I said, "Brad, are you coming?" He said, "Nope. I hate Richmond. I'm going to stay in New York." I said, "Okay." I said, well, I know that everybody in Park Avenue is not going to want to move and relocate to Broad, you know, to Broad Street in Richmond, Virginia. So there's something about what you do that I like. So if you could give me all of the contact information, you know, uh, that, that you think I need, uh, the people I need to speak with uh, to, to maybe get a job with them. He said, okay. And Dave, you remember, you know, the old group, it was, it was Cooper Gardner. It was sure. Rick Eby, It was Jermaine Gervin. And it was Bill Chilean. So, Dave, I'm 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 really not joking when I tell you this. From 2004 until 2006, I blasted these people, you know, with phone calls, with emails, with portfolios, with resumes. I made things out of cigar boxes, you know, um, just you know because I wanted to do this for whatever reason. I don't know what it was. It was drawing me to it. So it, it, it came to the point where Brad, my, my contact there, Brad's like, Ed, you got, 
you've got to stop, you know, talking to them. They know who you are, man. Like, you just got to stop. Uh, I said, okay, man, but I really, I really want some acknowledgement. I really want them to sort of, you know, talk with me or interview me or whatever it is. And so um, maybe in August of 2006, I, I sent this final email. You know, I was frustrated, you know, this final email to them. After over a year and a half of bombardment, Dave, I sent this last email saying, look, you know, I, you guys win. You know, I don't know what else I can do for you. You know, like, I'm just really interested. I'm really excited. I feel like there's going to be needs when you guys move down here. Uh, and, uh, you know, a few days later, I get the email saying, okay, we finally made the transition down to Richmond. You know, we're finally entrenched in Swedish match. Please come in and have an interview with us uh, because you're driving us crazy. And so as uh, I had the interview uh, in, let's just say, September of 2006. And I went in there and I talked with Cooper and Bill. And, you know, they said, hey, we don't know whether to call the cops on you or hire you on the spot. You know, and of course, I was like, well, I hope you hire me. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, they did. Right. So so my journey with General Cigar and Premium Tobacco started, you know, in 2006. Uh, I was 26 years old. Uh, honestly, Dave, I had no no real uh, knowledge of the category. There's just something. I'm sure that you guys can relate to this. There was a magnetism uh, towards what this product is, uh, you know, that just wouldn't let me go away. You know, and you going back to my my degrees, you know, it it fit all of the all of the it checked all the boxes that I was looking for. You know. It, the, uh, the ability to be with an organic product, you know, the ability to tell a story, the ability to create things, the ability to communicate with agencies and consumers. Everything about this uh, checked all the boxes that I had prepared for, you know, for, uh, for my whole educational career. You know, so uh, I you know, when I graduated from Clemson, I, you know, I did work a couple of years in, in a marketing agency and in, in, in inside sales and you know, but it wasn't until 2006 when uh, they gave me that opportunity that I really started my career. Before that, you know, I had this graduate graduate school debt, and I was um, I love beer, so I was I was driving a beer truck around town because, uh, you know, that's uh, that was what I was going to do. I said maybe I was maybe I'll be a brewer of beer, and uh, I ended up driving a truck before I got this job, um, you know, delivering beer. So uh, two two very synergistic you know, you know businesses that I was in. Uh, that revolved around a palate, that revolved around craft, that revolved around flavor. Uh, so, so I couldn't be happier uh, to be where I am now, um, you know, and have the opportunity to work for uh, a company like General Cigar, to tell you the truth. So just a lot of persistence, man. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know if this generation, you know, understands that, but, um, but, but you know, I really, I really bothered a lot of people to get this job. <laughs> so that is not so, a bad I'm, thing. I'm, I'm proud of it. You know, I'm, it, it really paid off. It took a while, but it did pay off. Well, that's not a bad thing because persistence does pay. And it kind of reminds me, I wanted to get into broadcasting and I was uh, 15 years old. I'd taken a tour of the ABC affiliate in Buffalo where I grew up. And I said, man, this looks cool. They just moved into a new building and I wanted to be an intern. And they said, sorry, only college. Uh, we only, you know, we only bring in college students. Well, I kept calling the secretary, newsroom secretary every week. Yep. And then I got to twice a week. And after about three months, she said, you know what? You're really getting to be a pain in the ass. But I'll <laughs> tell you what, if you are really serious about this, sure, we'll bring you on. You got to be here Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. I said, great, I'll start this Saturday. She didn't think I was going to show up, but you right. hit it right on the head. It's persistence. Now, and here's the thing, Ed. 
when you were in college, when you were in graduate school, you probably had no clue the last thing that was probably on your mind is, I'm going to go work for one of the top cigar manufacturers in the world and, uh, you know, oversee much of their branding and uh, their marketing. That's right. It wasn't even on my radar. Exactly. And, you know, you bring up some names. Uh, you went to Clemson, Cooper Gardner, a Syracuse Orangeman, a fellow Syracuse alum. He was actually the punter on the Syracuse football team for a number of years. And you brought up Bill Chilean, who's no longer with us, passed away a number of years ago. He was just a wonderful no, no, gentleman. No, no. no Bill, I'm, I'm sorry, not Bill. No, I'm sorry, not, not, not Bill. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not correct. I'm not thinking of Bill. I'm thinking there was another uh, gentleman that was at General Cigar for many, many years who was That's phenomenal. Right. Yeah, that, that passed away. And you're right, correct. My, my mistake. I was confusing the two. But... Uh, great guy and you know the thing about cigars and the cigar industry is that people may move on people may change jobs change companies but the relationships still continue correct yeah and and correct. you I, really you know, see that, I'm, that relationship I'm that bill chillings bill and cooper and wit are still in richmond and so um i still see bill uh not as often as i would like but but you know i still um i still keep in touch with bill that's right. I, I, I forgot they all did still uh, stick around there. And so it is still a, a, you know, close bond, close association. And it's funny because even people that leave the cigar industry want to still t- stay in touch with people in the cigar industry. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about uh, you, you joined General Cigar. Now, you didn't join initially as their senior brand manager. You joined, I believe, as a junior brand manager. Well, so, you know, it's... Um... You know, I started at the lower level as, I can't remember if it was assistant or associate, but I started at one of those. Uh, assistant, then I was promoted to associate, then I was promoted to brand manager. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I, I did leave the company for two and a half years to go work for Altria. And I worked for John Milton Company in okay. Skoll or UST. Um, and then, you know, again, like I was telling you about this magnetism, Dave, you know, I, those connections were still there. And I said, look, you know, I'm not unhappy, you know, at Altria because I was able to, you know, create some really cool things. But if there's an opportunity to come back, you know, and help you guys, uh, I'd be open to that. And they're like, well, you know, Ed, uh, you're in luck because we actually do need some, somebody, you know, and, you know, I gave my list of demands and, and this time it was to work on on CAO and Hoyo and Punch uh, versus when I started, I was working on Macanudo, Partagas, and Cohiba. Uh, so, so after two and a half years at Altria between 2014 and 2017, um, I came back uh, to, to General Cigar, right? So a lot of people don't know that, but uh, amazing experience at Altria. It was, it was, a, it was a really fascinating company. Uh, I, I owed it to myself to, to see what, what a really large corporation was, was like and uh, had a really nice you know, uh, experience there. Uh, you know, but it was something about premium cigars that I just couldn't get away from. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so ever since. Now, did you ever smoke cigars when you were in college did you ever have a passion for cigars or basically you became a cigar connoisseur after you joined general cigar i became a cigar connoisseur after i joined general cigar you know i i didn't know in fact you know uh when 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 bill called me and said that that they wanted to hire me that they were going to offer me the job 
you know, there's a lot of on-premise accounts, you know, that, uh, you know, are beer and wine stores that also have humidors. So my first, ironically, my first uh, pack of cigars that I bought was the CAO sampler that had the DVD in it from Seed to Soul. I remember right? that. So, so I was like, well, I love variety packs. You know, it, this gives me a variety of cigars and it gives me a DVD to sort of learn more about it. Right. So it was it was a winner winner for me. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah, I didn't know much about cigars, um, you know, before that, you know, ironically. So. So, you know, I, I became very close to beer, you know, as as, you know, a crafted beverage. Uh, I saw a lot of similarities, you know, with, uh, you know, with the malt bills and the hops and the process and the craft and the stories, you know, that were being shared with beer, uh, you know, crossing over cigars. And so I felt completely comfortable coming into this category, uh, even even though I, I wasn't a connoisseur per se, you know, uh, so it was it was a really nice sort of synergistic move for me. Outstanding. And since you've been in the cigar business, have you done more? Been, you know, you, you drove that beer truck around. Uh, have you been trying? And I, I shouldn't say have you because I actually know the answer to this because there's a project that we'll talk about uh, in just a bit that you've been working on. But have you tried uh, heretofore to try to combine cigars and spirits uh, you know, together? Because when you think about it, what do people do when they're smoking a cigar? They're right. either enjoying a, a glass of wine or some cognac or, a, or a, a, a single malt scotch or bourbon or beer. They go hand in hand. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dave. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say I would say 100 percent. You know, it's uh, you know, I'm not I'm not as you know, familiar with wines. You know, um, I became quite quite close to bourbon uh, in the last couple of years. You know, but uh, but absolutely every time I do a product product, you know, and I've, I've, I've launched and come up with, with, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of different, you know, uh, cigars for consumers to enjoy. I always try to think about pairings, right? So, so I'll, I'll make uh, a piece that what I call an info card that's got the cigar information, but it also has some suggested pairings, right? So I always sort of land in, in the red wine area. Um, I always land in, in sort of, uh, you know, the brown spirits, uh, but I'm very familiar with the beers, and, and I always land on maltier beers. Uh, you know, not saying that they can't pair with you know very hoppy beers, especially now with the trend of, of very hoppy and fruity beers. You know, but more of the malty uh, beers. You know, more of the porters and the stouts. You know, and the brown ales. You know, and the English ales. You know, like that malt bill. You know, that that beer shares with bourbon, shares with whiskey, shares with scotch. Really, really does. Uh, translate well to cigars, right? So the maltier, you know, in my opinion, the maltier the beverage, the better it pairs with a cigar, right? You need to have that coating of your tongue, you know, with whatever beverage you have, you know, that also sort of incorporates, you know, and facilitates those, you know, those those uh, flavors that you'll get when you when you sort of take in that smoke from a cigar, you know. So so yeah, one hundred percent, you know, and you know, I always tell people you know, that are starting out, like never smoke a cigar when you're in a bad mood, you know, but also have something, you know, around it that you really like. And that could be people and that could be food, that could be beverage. You know, I think it's very important, right? Even down to uh, the nitty gritty of coffee. I really do feel like coffee pairs, uh, you know, a lot better with cigars than, than most of the alcohols, you know, because, 
coffee is usually grown in areas where tobacco is grown, right? So they right. share the same sort of terroir when it comes to the soil content. Uh, you know, so, so, I mean, we can go on for days about, you know, how cigars pairs with, with a lot of different things, you know, which I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss in, in a few moments. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up talking about porters and stouts. And when you look at those, many consumers that may not be familiar, they may not be beer connoisseurs, they look at those beers and they say, oh, those beers are so dark. Oh, those are going to be so strong. They're going to be so bitter. Not the case. Very similar with cigars. Many people, many connoisseurs that or, or, or inexperienced uh, uh, cigar novices, if you will, may look around and say, you know, I want to try that cigar, but look at that dark Maduro wrapper. That is going to be just way too strong for me, too full flavored. I'm going to stay away from that. And that is not necessarily the case. And that's really where the education part comes in, where not only from a good tobacconist, good retailer, but uh, certainly our, our uh, alphas and lieutenants that listen to us, but just informing. And I know that you go above and beyond to educate your consumers and new consumers about the various new cigar offerings to talk about the flavor profile, to talk about pairings, so that when they look at it, they don't judge a book by its cover. Correct. Yeah. Because, you know, we've been dealing with this a long time. You know, there is a huge intimidation factor for cigars, you know, a uh, huge intimidation factor for dark beers. You know, but you're right, Dave. Now, Listen, some of those dark beers, you know, can be very strong, but also some of the light beers can be very strong, too. You know, when you when you brew a beer, for example, with candied sugar, you know, and you get into the Belgian triples and the quads, those are very, very strong beers. Now, they may not have that dark profile that comes from, you know, a smoked malt, you know, that that you know, is in a, in a stout or porter, you know, but but yeah, you know. Don't judge a book by its cover, you know, and, and I, I, I try to do that, especially now more than ever, you know, just to, to really try to, you know, write about various products in a way that's easy to understand, you know, that, that makes it clear that, hey, listen, you know, this isn't as strong as you think, right? And so, so if it is strong, I'll tell you, you know, but if it's not, most of, the, most of the palates in America, you know, really just sort of want this sort of medium, medium full cigar, uh, and when you when you do give them a very full bodied cigar, you know, uh, you know, it could put them off, you know. So most of the palates that we speak to you know, on a day to day basis, you and me both, you know, are are sitting more into this, you know, this rich medium body profile versus that that really strong profile. Ed, I know that you smoke everything because as a brand manager, you need to be aware and you're involved in the blending of many of the new cigars that come from Punch, Hoy de Monterey, CAO. But what is your personal favorite flavor complexion profile? You know, so, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's a really interesting question. It's a question that I ponder quite a bit. You know, I think what it boils down to, you know, I think we've all been in, in, in the spot. We may even remember the date or the place where we were when, you know, the various flavor complexities of tobacco leaf, you know, finally jumps out to our palate. Right. So I was in Boston when I finally picked out what Cameroon, you know, uh, tasted like on a cigar. You know, um, I was I was in Richmond, you know, when I finally figured out what a good Cuban tastes like, you know. But I think I always go back to blends with Ecuadorian Habano or Sumatra in them. Right. So it's there's something about that spiciness of the leaf and that in that, uh, you know, the strength of that tobacco 
that that I just all the cigars that, that I usually like and love uh, usually have some sort of uh, Ecuadorian Sumatra or Habano in them, right? So whatever it is, whether it's a little Glory Cubana, you know, uh, or even the new one that I launched with Excalibur Black that's got a Sumatra wrapper on it, um, or I'm sorry, a Sumatra binder on it, you know, there's 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 always that Ecuadorian element you know, in, in my cigars that, that I just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always go back to, you know, not saying that, that I don't like everything that I smoke, of course, you know, some, some are great, some are not, you know, but usually the ones that I love, you know, have, have, uh, more importantly, like that Ecuadorian Sumatra on it, right? Maybe not even the Habano, but like, there's something about, you know, the tobacco that's grown in Ecuador, whether it's shade or Habano or Sumatra that, that, that I, I, I just really like. Yeah, everything growing that comes out of Ecuador, you can't go wrong with. And I know that uh, uh, the Oliva family, Oliva Tobacco in the Cigar City of Tampa, they're responsible for a lot of that Ecuadorian uh, Habano uh, wrapper. And you just, and Sumatra, you can't go wrong with either of them. They just, and, and it's also a function of what you blended with, you know, what kind of binder and what kind of filler. And that's really an advantage that General Cigar has because of its financial ability to go out and purchase large amounts of raw cigar tobacco so that you can age it you can refer to it down the road if you say hey you know what we bought some of that uh, tobacco three years ago let's see how that blends with this particular wrapper or that particular wrapper that's a tremendous advantage that general cigar has over other manufacturers yeah dave i think i think you're right you know it's uh we have very long relationships with a lot of these farmers, you know, the, the patriarchal farmers, you know, that, that really created the category that we have now, um, you know, and, and, you know, because of our size, you know, uh, some of the smaller farmers, you know, they, you know, they really don't want to do business with, with some of the bigger guys, which is fine, you know, but we do have, you know, some really long lasting relationships, you know, with ASP and the Leva family and, and all these, uh, very knowledgeable tobacco growers, you know, generations, you know, uh, that in some cases, you and I spoke about this last time we, we talked where, you know, Frank Yaneza, you know, really created these relationships in the fifties, you know, to right. sort of set themselves up for, you know, what we have now. Right. And so those relationships now they've been passed down to kids and grandkids, you know, but, but those relationships are still there. Right. And so we do have the ability to, to, you know, be a bigger presence, you know, to buy more of the product, you know, that they grow, um, you know, than other people, you know, it's, uh, it's, it is certainly an advantage that we have, you know, uh, and, and we're certainly fortunate as a company to, to have that position. Well, Frank, one of the legends in the world of cigars and, and did you have the opportunity to personally meet, uh, a Frank Inez at any time? You know what, Dave, I did not, I, I did not, you know, he, he was a he wonderful guy and, and probably passed away, but, um, before I got here. Yeah, he was a, I mean, talk, first of all, he was a wonderful gentleman. I would go visit him at the Villazon factory and offices uh, in the Cigar City of Tampa. And you walked in, and Frank was the most unassuming man you'd ever see. A quick story about Frank. Frank had the innate ability to take the worst tobacco and work with it, age it, ferment it, age it more, and make it into supreme tobacco. Nobody else could do what Frank Yaneza did. And I'm very close to his daughter, Carol Yaneza been a longtime friend, and she told me a great story about her father. Her father's office was on the first floor. You'd walk in the building right on the first floor. 
but you'd rarely find him there. He would go down to the basement where all the tobacco would come in, and he would work with it, he would ferment it, he would age it. He would do that every day. He'd spend more time working down on the, in the basement working with the cigar tobaccos than in his office. So one day, Carol is talking to a longtime employee at the company, and gentleman walks by and, you know, says, good morning. And the woman says, good morning. And, you know, Carol never said, hi, Dad. She just said, you know, good morning. And after he passed, a few minutes later, the woman looked at Carol and said, you know, Carol, I see that man here all the time. He's always going out of the basement. Who is that? She's like, that's my father, Frank Yadeza. She had no idea that he was that unassuming that even wow. people in the factory that had been there because he was just such an unassuming guy. And the one thing I loved when I'd walk into his office is that Frank, he'd say, sit down. And before he would even, you could even answer, do you want a cigar? His hand would lean behind his desk on the credenza. He'd have a box of Punch Royal Coronations in the tube ready to go, and he'd already be handing you one while he was saying, do you want a cigar? It, you didn't even, you could have said no, it was too late. He was already going to give you that cigar. And, you know, he could have smoked whatever he wanted, and it was amazing. That was his personal favorite. That was like his little baby. Uh, and, and he was just a great guy. And I'll tell you, Frank enjoyed cigars every day of his life. He uh, lived until 90 and uh, just healthy and worked to the very end. And just a testament, I think, not only to Frank Ineza, but also Stanford Newman of J.C. Newman. Both gentlemen right. smoked cigars every day, worked in the office every day till they were 90. They both, both passed away. I think uh, uh, Stan Newman was... Uh, 91, and I think Frank was just a little bit past 90. But two greats in the world. You would have loved him, Ed. He was just a, a just a very unassuming guy, and the kind of guy you just sit on a couch, smoke a cigar with, and he'd share a lot of his uh, knowledge. But but that still continues at General Cigar, and I know that you have a tremendous amount of passion, just like Frank, for the Hoya de Monterey and the Punch brands, and you're kind of the steward, the caretaker of those brands right now. And when we come back. We'll conduct the International Cigar Litation Ceremony with a new cigar that I'm pleased to say that our Officers Club members in June were amongst the first in the world to enjoy, the new Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black. We will talk about that cigar. That is an absolute beauty, does tremendous homage to the brand, and I cannot wait to get my chompers on it because we've been talking about cigars now for about uh, maybe about 25, 30 minutes and I have yet to fire up. But that's going to change on the International Cigar Litation Ceremony. Avo Cigars has just launched the newest addition to the Avo Synchro series entitled the Avo Synchro Caribe. Fourth line in the Avo Synchro series, it is centered around the concept of tobacco synchronization. They incorporate the diversity, complexity, and compatibility of cigar tobaccos from the Caribbean and Central America to create a natural harmony, a Caribbean soul, a very dynamic cigar. It uses natural distribution. What does that mean? The proportions of the cigar tobaccos on any given plant perfectly matched in the blending process. So what you get is a Dominican wrapper. You get filler tobaccos from Nicaragua, a binder from Ecuador that are matched absolutely perfectly. The taste, a lively, dynamic, harmonious flavor profile of Caribbean flavors, aromatic spices, some complex cocoa, a beautiful medium-bodied cigar with subtle sweetness resembling 
tropical fruits. The flavors, rhythm, and lifestyle of the tropics are encapsulated in the new Avo Synchro Caribe, available now at your cigar retailer or DavidoffGeneva.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, we pride ourselves at the Cigar Dave Officers Club on featuring the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. And when I spoke to our guest, our cigar master, Ed Lehman, and also Steve Abbott of General Cigar a number of months ago, I said, we want to do something special. And Ed said, do I have something special for your Officers Club members? And he proceeded to tell me about the cigars. And he proceeded to say, I'm going to send you a few. The Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black. Now, I'm a huge Hoya de Monterey fan. I love the Excalibur. Give me an Excalibur 123 Natural Maduro after a big steak. No problem. It's an oldie but goodie. But, Ed, you have taken that Hoya de Monterey Excalibur brand and you have created a very approachable, very delightful cigar that really, to me, I think fits into that Excalibur brand so perfectly. So talk about the new Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black. Yeah, I'm happy to do that, Dave. Um, so first, I hope that, uh, that all of your listeners uh, that received those really enjoyed them. Uh, I'm smoking one right now. You know, Excalibur, you know, is, is uh, not a legacy Hoyo product. You know, it was uh, really have to give a lot of credit to Lou Rothman, um, the, the previous owner of JR Cigars, you know, for the you know, for the coining of Excalibur, you know, and, right. and his favorite his favorite pen was an Excalibur pen. And so, you know, when he reached out to Frank Danese, he said, you should make this cigar for me, you should call it Excalibur. You know, Frank said, no problem. And, you know, the rest is history. But Excalibur has become extremely important to uh, the super, what I call the super brand of Hoyt de Monterey. Um, it just, uh, the cells are just incredible. And like you said, Dave, it's an oldie but goodie. Um, the, the sizes that you mentioned, the number one size is, is a seven and a quarter by 54. So listen, that's a, that's a time commitment, you know, cigar, you know, but it's, uh, even though it's the largest cigar in, in, uh, the current situation of not having a lot of time to smoke cigars, you know, people still really come back to that cigar. Uh, I, I love it more than anything when I can you know, give cigars to people and I can hear the stories on how they started in the cigar, uh, you know, hobby, if you will. You know, it's, oh man, you know, I used to smoke this all the time. I forgot how good it was, you know, this perfect golf course cigar, you know. So I knew that I wanted to do something that brought a little bit more attention back to Excalibur because, you know, the industry, we, we extend brands quite a bit, you know, not just General Cigar, but, but everybody, you know, it's coming out with something new uh, you know, all the time, you know, so I felt like it was time to have something a little bit bigger for Excalibur as far as a flavor, you know, profile is concerned, you know, and it had been a while since we added anything to Excalibur, you know, the last probably was Dark Knight or Cameroon, and that was years and years ago. So there was, I felt like there was, there was a gap missing that consumers would enjoy uh, with Excalibur. And that gap was more of a medium full or medium plus cigar uh, that they can sort of uh, smoke, but also trust because it had the Excalibur name on. You know, and so, uh, you know, it was a way for me to sort of introduce something that was new to 
you know, this next generation of consumers, uh, but also launch something that, that the, the current consumer set that enjoyed uh, Excalibur cigars would also uh, enjoy as well. So, you know, we worked within, you know, the confines, uh, you know, to create the Excalibur Black, um, you know, and we have a really good blend sort of profile with, you know, a very strong and flavorful broadleaf wrapper. You know, again, it has that Ecuadorian Sumatra binder for you know, a little bit of strength and, and spice. Uh, and then just the tried and true uh, Honduran and Nicaraguan filler blend, you know, you know, the Seikos and the, and the Lajeros, uh, you know, that we have uh, within our uh, portfolio for the filler tobacco. So listen, you know, going back to what I was saying with coffee being grown in various places, you know, the, the ability for countries like Honduras and Nicaragua to grow just some extremely flavorful tobacco uh, has always been evident since, since tobacco has been grown there. Uh, so it made sense to sort of put that, that fuller, you know, body profile and fillers uh, into this cigar. You know, and, and honestly, it, it was right in the wheelhouse of the Hatsa factory in Honduras uh, to do this. Uh, you know, this sort of combination of, of you know, broadleaf and Honduran and Nicaraguan tobaccos, you know, that's our bread and butter. You know, I, I even will go as far to say that, you know, the Hatsa factory has created, you know, a Central American flavor profile. You know, you may or may not have discussed this on your show, but, but you know, may get some people to say well listen every factory sort of has their profile you know and uh i think this really deep and rich uh profile that's created out of the hotza factory uh is is evident in our industry you know and it goes back to the roots of when it was sort of established in the late 50s early 60s where you know frankie nasa wanted to blend cigars that were full of body right and the american market you know you know this was still sort of a land of claros and and candelas you know like he right. wanted to sort of take you know, this gap that was uh, being left when, when the Cuban embargo hit, you know, to, to really address that, that need uh, that the American market ultimately would have uh, with four body cigars. So you can go back and read interviews with Cigar Ficionado or whoever it was with Frankie Neza and even Danny Blumenthal, you know, to say, listen, we wanted to make something a little bit stronger. You know, we, we felt like that was okay. And they were able to do that with the Sumatras, you know, and, you know, the Nicaraguan tobaccos uh, that, that, you know, until, you know, the early 60s really weren't around, you know, and so uh, Excalibur Black, you know, we, we launched that in June, uh, you know, it's done really well. I think, I think the people that are gravitated towards, uh, you know, products like Excalibur have, have really enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, and it does, you know, it does give you that strength and flavor, you know, but it's not too, it's not too overpowering, you know, and, in fact, I'll leave that up to people who uh, smoke it to, to, you know, give their own opinion about. I'm, I'm certainly not a person that's, that, you know, will, will say 100% this is a full body cigar because every palate's different and interpret, interpret, interprets it differently. You know, but this is a really good cigar that does a lot of things for the brand, Dave. It's, uh, you know, it just fills that profile gap. You know, it gets the cigar into, you know, somebody that's coming into the category that they can, they, that they can trust. Uh, one of the things that, that you know, the Hotza Factory certainly stands by is the consistency of really good cigars, whether that's a Punch or Horta Monterey, uh, anything coming out of the, the Hotza Factory, you can always count on it to be very consistent. So we're very happy with, with where we're at with Excalibur Black. We feel like it really aligns with uh, uh, what Excalibur means to people uh, and, and we expect good things from it. Uh, 
right? So three sizes, we've got a Robusto at 550, we've got a Toro at 552, and then we have that classic number one size, that double Corona size at seven and a quarter by 54. Well, that's what I've just pulled out, the double Corona, and here's what I love. If you look at the cigar architecture, the wrapper is a USA Broadleaf Oscuro, very dark, I mean, almost deeper than an espresso color, and that's going to give a little bit of sweetness. Then you took an Ecuadorian Sumatra binder, a little bit of spice, and then you combine it with Honduran and Nicaraguan fillers, including some savory Nicaraguan Lajero. So what you've created on the outside, a wrapper that's going to give a little bit of sweetness. Then you've got a little bit of spice on the inside. When you put them together, you have a nice, smooth, medium, medium-plus bodied cigar, full flavor notes, that just, to me, even with that flavor, is very approachable and a delightful cigar. Suggested retail for the Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Blacks. Yeah, no, I think I think you're spot on with that, Dave. You know, and, and you know, from a price point, you know, like we're always, I'm always conscious, you know, with price. You know, this is a cigar that anybody can sort of come and get for, you know, around nine dollars before tax. You know, some states are, are worse than others, but you know, this is this. You know, not only is it a blend that's approachable, but also the price point's approachable as well. Fantastic. So it's not really think about it now today, the sweet spot uh, for cigars really, I think, is probably in the seven and a half to nine and a half, ten dollar area. It's crept up the last number of years, but a beautiful looking cigar. And that's what I will enjoy today. The brand new Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Self sharpening double edged stainless steel guillotine ready for action. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Well, good thing I have not only double redundancy, I have quadruple redundancy because my Cigar Dave five-star with the five jet flames and the Pentagon arrangement of the uh, flames, the butane devices, actually is out of butane. I forgot to fill that up, but fear not because I also have what I call my welder's torch. Huge, giant flame. Almost looks like the end of a Magnum 357 when you put this in your hand. Big, giant flame. Huge tank. That's what I will use today on this gorgeous Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. On this beautiful-looking stick, I will gently toast the foot of this Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black. And, Ed, when you told me you were smoking one, I was jealous. My, my, I was foaming at the mouth. I was salivating, staring at this beautiful cigar. And I must tell you that I love the band, too. I love what you did with it, the silver, just the whole look of it, just really, to me, um, symbolizes that elegant Hoya de Monterey Excalibur lineup. Well, thank you, Dave. Let me toast this cigar. All right, you beat me to the punch here, Ed, but now I'm going to put this beauty in my mouth and puff and rotate. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. To me, this is almost like putting a little espresso on the tip of the palate. It's that has that same complexion. Mm. We blow on the foot of the cigar. Perfect, even amber glow. We have a successful litation. Mm. Very nice. Getting a little sweetness, a little spiciness. Just very pleasant. And the cigar, 
I'll tell you, this wrapper is magnificent. What, where, what part of the United States? Is this Pennsylvania or is this Connecticut, Ed? This one's Connecticut. You know, this is by the Thrall family uh, in, the, in the River Valley of Connecticut. Um, you know, long, long standing farm, you know, essentially been grown to tobacco since 1646. Uh, you know, so, we, you know, again, going back to the relationships that, that were cultivated with the Coleman's, you know, this is a long standing relationship with these farms. Right. You know, um, you know that, that honestly, the tobacco farms in the United States, you know, if you're not growing, you know, cigarette tobacco or, or you know, more snuff tobacco, you know, the cigar tobacco, since it does take a little bit longer to cultivate, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're running out of that leaf, right? So we're starting to see manufacturers, you know, take those seeds and, and go other places. Uh, you know, that's the natural evolution of our business. Uh, you know, but, but this one, you know, we're still able to use that relationship that we've had for many, many years uh, to sort of get that tobacco that we need. I'll tell you, as I take uh, just puff on this cigar, and, you know, you talked about pairing this with coffee. To me, a Honduran espresso would, or any espresso, I think would be great. Uh, and I love Honduran and Nicaraguan coffee beans just straight up. But just a perfect combination. And I think another, I'll tell you what else would go, I think, just perfectly with this. We're, in September, we go into National Bourbon Heritage Month. And to me, I think a nice bourbon, a nice rye whiskey, even a weeded, a weeded bourbon, I think would go perfectly with this Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black. Just very, very nice. All right, as I savor this cigar, when we come back with Ed Lehman, the senior brand manager of General Cigar for their Central American brands, Hoya de Monterey Punch CAO. I want to talk about several a new size that they've got coming out in the Hoya El Torcedor. And I also want to explore just a couple of, of uh, brands within the Hoya lineup because there's some oldies, oldie but goodies. And even though we talk about new cigars, there's a couple that I think should be in every single connoisseur's humidor. And we'll do that right around the corner. Gurkha is known for creating the world's finest cigars. And to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Gurkha brand being launched in the United States, the blenders at Gurkha created the Gurkha Trenta. Celebrating and commemorating 30 years of cigar excellence, the Gurkha Trenta, everything you would expect from a Gurkha. Exquisite construction, exquisite flavor, exquisite pleasure. A nice medium, medium full-bodied cigar featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. A Nicaraguan Corojo 99 binder and the filler, Nicaraguan Corojo 99, Nicaraguan Criollo 98, created by the great blenders and growers at Aganorsa Farms in Nicaragua. And what you get is a signature cigar that has unique flavors, perfect spice, perfect amount of complexity on the palate, a cigar worthy of Gurkha's 30 years being available in the United States. Try the Gurkha Trenta today. You will enjoy the experience and the overall characteristic that goes into blending this magnificent cigar, a beautiful Nicaraguan puro worthy of being called Gurkha Trenta. Ed, we were talking about some oldies, but oldie but goodies in the Hoya de Monterey lineup. And I think we've got to start really just at the original Hoya de Monterey where it all began. Mm-hmm. That's a great stick and a huge number of sizes. I think there's, what, 20, 22 sizes available? <laughs> uh, but just a phenomenal cigar. 
And to me, that's if somebody wants a nice medium-bodied cigar that's not going to be overpowering. We talked about the Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. I think you go to the Hoya de Monterey and you can't beat the price. I think you're right, Dave. Uh, you know, I'm not saying this just because you know it's I'm very close to that brand, but you know there there's a few brands that that really sort of take you back. You know that you know again going back to you know the consistency with Hotsa product. You know, uh, you're you're always going to be satisfied, my my opinion, with uh, with the with the classic Hoya de Monterey. You know, and old school punch is no different. You know, um, the old school sizes. You know, uh, we have a lot of sizes, but we also have a lot of variation in leaf as well uh, under that. So we have Sumatra, uh, we have you know broadleaf. Uh, there's an occasional Connecticut shade in there. You know, and so um, I'm actually I'm actually refreshing. You know, the packaging and the bands for Corhoyo, and uh, that's actually happening now, but. What I'm doing is is that I really want to give you know the homage to what it was and what it is currently, right. you know. So if you look at the Excalibur black band, you can see some of the elements that will be incorporated into the new uh, Hoyo refresh. Uh, it's going to be a very subtle refresh, but you know I'm emphasizing you know Hoyo Monterey more uh, as much as I probably would have liked Jose Jenner. Jose Jenner has been on you know the packaging material for for years ever since. You know, it, it started to, to make its way to, you know, America in, you know, in the 60s. Right. And so I felt felt like, you know, again, no disrespect to Jose Jenner uh, and what he's done for the brand. I felt like he didn't need to be there anymore. I felt like the torch has been passed. And so I really wanted right. to focus on what it is. And that's Hoyt Monterey. So if you look at the band, I've substituted bronzing, you know, for foils. I really wanted it to make it pop. You know, I, right. I added the red shield that's all Hoyt Monterey. There's no Jose Jenner on the band, you know, and then I added the coins on the side to really give it that distinction from the Cuban counterpart, you know, and really make this about Honduras because, you know, this is one of the brands that made, you know, Honduran cigars uh, some of the best in the world. You know, well, so we all know that, that, that cigars that come out of Honduras, Nicaragua, the Dominican are far better than Cuban cigars. I, you could, can take pick any cigar from any factory from Honduras, Nicaragua, Dominican, and grab any one from Cuba, and I will tell you that value-wise, taste-wise, construction-wise, everyone will pick the non-Cuban brand or the non-Cuban cigar by far. And the reality is, is that I think Cuban cigars, you know, it's it's it reminds me of, you know, we we're talking about beer earlier, Ed. It reminds me of Coors beer like 25, 30 years ago when people said, Oh my God, you're going to, you know, the Rockies. Hey, bring me back a six pack of uh, silver bullets, Coors. Well, now that you can get Coors at every single convenience store in the country, Coors is not a big deal anymore. And I think it's that forbidden fruit. But to me, I think. I would put up, I'll take an Excalibur, I'll take the Excalibur Black, I'll take a uh, the regular Hoya, I will take a uh, Hoya Dark Knight over, or the Hoya Tradition, another one that I love uh, in your portfolio, over anything coming out of Cuba. Yeah, I'll agree with you there, but, you know, we all know that, that you know, like occasionally you will get a Cuban cigar, you know, and say, wow, this is, this is really what it should be like, you know, like it's really nice. But I think that what I tell people is, is that, you know, uh, what's very important for them to realize is is our ability, you know, as blenders, not me, but but you know, my blenders in the factory to uh, to use different cigars from all over the world, right? So so you know, it's not just one-dimensional flavors. You you have this 
this cornucopia of flavors, if you will, you know, and, you know, as an example with, with the Excalibur Black, you know, we've got, you know, a broadleaf wrapper, you know, we've got an Ecuadorian binder, and then we've got this combination of Honduran and Nicaraguan tobaccos. That, that's magical. You know, like when you're able to take the best tobaccos, you know, from around the world and put them in a cigar. And I'm not just talking about any general cigar product. I'm talking about any product, you know, whether it's a Davidoff or, you know, a Fuente or, you know, um, you know J.C. Newman product, you know, like we all benefit from using tobaccos from around the world versus one place. Right. No question about it. Uh, and I want to talk about a, uh, a new size you've got in the Hoya de Monterey El Torcedor. That's a very unique line, kind of limited, all perfectos. All, all figure out of perfectos. You're right, Dave. We, we came out with one, and, and quite honestly, it's, it's been you know, one of my personal favorite sizes for a very long time. The first one we did in 2019 you know, really started to touch on the heritage of Hoya de Monterey. You know, and, you know, I took this style of box that I saw that the Coleman's, you know, had made, uh, you know, historically, you, you can't find this cigar out there anywhere, really. It was called, you know, Coleman's Signature Selection, but it had this beautiful mahogany box that, you know, was a cabinet style. We, we took the lid off and, and we routed the back so you could slide the lid in the back if it was displayed at retail. Um, really beautiful presentation, very you know, in its execution, but, but very impactful you know, for our category. Um, you know, and so I wanted to take this size, you know, at the time it, in 2019, we launched it with a six and a half by 49 Perfecto Figurado. You know, and uh, this size that came out in June uh, is a, it's a bigger size. It's a seven and a quarter by 54, uh, but it still has that same, uh, you know, ability, you know, with, with what that size sort of allows for. I just love smoking the size, you know, it's, it just burns perfectly. You cut a little bit of extra, you know, uh, you know, length off of, off of the head to get a good burn, you know, but it's just, it's just a great size to smoke, you know, uh, whether it's a six and a half or seven and a quarter, you know, or what we'll do in the future, you know, so, so that just came out, you know, it is limited, you know, essentially, you know, it's a hard size to roll. Uh, that's why you don't see a lot of them around anymore. You know, we had the molds. It takes a long time. You know, uh, very skilled rollers, you know, need to be incorporated because, you know, you have some extra elements, you know, within the, the bunch to sort of take into consideration. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited for what it is. Now, do I expect this to be, you know, uh, you know, an everyday cigar for people. I really don't. This is this is a size, you know, again, with the complexity of it, you know, that that really gravitates towards, you know, the people that that have fully embraced the hobby of cigars, you know, whether it's a Lancero or Panatella or Perfecto Figurado, you know, there's a reason why we don't see these sizes, you know, every day too many times, you know, because it takes a lot of time. Right. So so I really wanted to give something that's that's it's classy back to the brand, you know, and allow, you know, the connoisseurs of our industry, you know, to, to really come and gravitate to. And I'll tell you how difficult this cigar is to obtain that. I've only smoked one El Torcedor since it came out. What was it about three years ago? I think something like that. Yeah. 2019. Yep. Yep. 2000. Okay. So a couple of yeah. years ago. So one, and I would tell, tell our, our listeners that if you find one, one of the Hoya de Monterey El Torcedores at a retailer, you better jump and pick it up. Pick one, pick two, pick a few up because 
it is very, very difficult because they are so limited. But I, I agree with the packaging. The box is very elegant. Uh, Ecuadorian Sumatra seed wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Dominican Nicaraguan filler. To me, it's very well balanced, just a nice overall uh, spicy profile. Very, very pleasant cigar. And let's talk about some of the other, before we, we uh, wrap it up, let's talk about a couple of the other cigars that are in the Hoya lineup. Uh, what is the number one selling Hoya that is in the portfolio? Well, honestly, Dave, it's, it's the number one, uh, Excalibur number one uh, with, the, with the shade wrapper on it. That's our number one size by far. Is it really? Right. That, that's it amazing. Is. You know, it, it baffles me because, you know, like we've, we've sort of evolved to uh, the consumers that, that, you know, either they don't have the time uh, or they don't want to have, you know, they don't want to commit to a cigar that's so big. Right. right. You know, and again, it's not it's not big like a 770, you know, but seven and a quarter by 54 requires you to sit down. It requires you to be somewhere for a while. Right. So you're not going anywhere when you smoke this cigar. But despite that, you know, uh, you know, it's still it still is our number one selling size by far. Well, I remember earlier when I started the Cigar Dave show 20, just over 26 years ago, one of the first people that I got to know was Frank and Carol Yaneza. And I remember going over to the factory and talking to them about the show and the concept, and they loved it. And uh, I, I remember before I left, Carol loaded me up with all sorts of cigars. And so she asked, she said, well, what, what do you like? And I said, well, you know, listen, I mean, to me, I'll take a number two, number three, Excalibur, natural Maduro, whatever you have. And she gave me one of both. So I had a natural, what they call the English market selection and the Maduro. And to me, after a nice steak dinner, nice glass of cab, there is nothing better than an Excalibur Maduro. I don't care what size it is. That is the perfect finale to a great dinner. Yeah, I agree. I agree it, 100%. It goes right. but, you know, it's, uh, you know, so you know, we, we have to, I have to make sure that people don't forget about that size, you know, and right. don't forget about that Excalibur. So, because, you know, it is, it is such, you know, a great experience, you know, in my opinion. Well, don't worry, Ed, because I talk about Excalibur all the time. <laughs> I love it. And I tell people that it, what happens is you have so many great cigars that you've launched in the Hoya de Monterey line that sometimes people forget about the Excalibur and the, the original Hoya that's been around for now, what, 35? Well, the Hoya, way longer than that. But the Excalibur, I think, has been around maybe 30, 35 years, something along right. those lines. That's right. So, you know, there's yeah, the Excalibur absolutely. Cameroon and the Dark Knight. Sometimes people forget about the the original, the, the oldies, but goodies. You can't go wrong. Let me ask you real quickly. I love the Excalibur Cameroon because I'm a big Cameroon fan. Is Cameroon difficult to obtain these days? You know, so, um, yes, it is. And it's, be, it's, be, it's becoming more difficult to get. You know, it's, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but, you know, the, the Merfeld family in, in Africa, you know, really for many, many generations has had uh, – you know, complete control over that market, you know, and it's grown differently, you know, it's, it's harvested differently. Um, you know, we've always prided ourselves, especially with our Partagas line, you know, uh, that, that we have, you know, we have, you know, a, a really nice relationship with that family still, you know, in order to, to obtain that, that leaf. Uh, it is though, you know, and so um, I'm glad to see the renaissance of Cameroon coming back because, you know, there is, a time and a place for a Cameroon cigar, you know, with an African wrapper. It's very, very nice. You know, it has, 
you know, a very nice quality, you know, and honestly with, you know, Ramon Safuentes, you know, there was a reason why he chose that rapper and, you know, uh, Mr. Fuente, you know, like, uh, you know, supporting Cameroon rapper the way that they do. Uh, there's a reason why big companies uh, try to get that rapper because, you know, it has a tremendous amount of flavor and taste, uh, you know, that, that's, that's uh, you know, it's irreplaceable in, in some ways, you know, and so, uh, yes, we we have we have quite a few bells of Cameroon, you know, and the connection to that that leaf, you know, and so uh, I'm hoping the renaissance of, of of the Cameroon profile with with people that smoke cigars, you know, will continue to drive them to brands like Partagas, you know, that historically have had you know a lot of Cameroon involved in the blend, you know, same thing with Cohiba Red Dot, you know, um, you know, and then some of the more obscure brands like the Excalibur, you know, Cameroon or um, you know, in, in the past it was 1066, you know, but now it's Cameroon, you know, so I'm excited to see, you know, just, just people's tastes evolve, you know, come back to some of those old school uh, leaves that we have. Well, Ed, I think we've given all of our alphas and uh, lieutenants listeners a thorough overview, not only on your background and how you uh, uh, became, came over to General Cigar and worked your way up to senior brand manager of the Central American brands, Hoya de Monterey Punch CAO, but also an overview of not only the new, uh, Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black, but also the entire lineup. And I think sometimes a refresher is good because so many connoisseurs may go into their retailer and they'll pass the Hoya de Monterey, uh, the original line, they'll pass the Excalibur, and they'll just move on to one of the newer cigars. Maybe now they'll pause and say, you know, I haven't had that in a while. Let me try that. And I believe that an Excalibur Maduro should be in every single connoisseur's humidor. So I appreciate you joining us on our Cigar Master Series today. And when we rejoin you on Thursday, we will spend time talking about your two other babies that you oversee, Punch and CAO. I know that my good buddy Rick Rodriguez, Rico Suave as I call him, my buddy over in the Cigar City of Tampa, he and I get together all the time and he always keeps me abreast of all the exciting developments in CAO and you've done a great job at really making CAO a uh, super, super relevant uh, brand. So when we come back on Thursday for our Cigar Masters Series, Ed, we'll spend time talking punch and CAO. Cigar Dave, the general saying, may our humidor always be full. May our cutter always be sharp. May our ash be extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Live it up. <laughs>